Good morning. Please stand and sing with us. for giving us the opportunity to worship together this morning. Please be with us as we hear your words and help us to keep open minds and open hearts to receive your message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Please turn and greet your neighbor.
it, and then I want to ask you for a long, long time. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us in worship today. We've got a couple of essential tools that help you do what you need to do in worship. One of them is the screen. It'll have everything you need for the worship service, um, but also the bulletin. This has everything you're going to need for the week. If you'll please open it up like this, you'll see our um, continued pursuit to be image-based rather than word-based. You'll see the images that you saw rolling before the worship service here um, for the benefit of people that um, can't get here early or are at 11 and don't see those screen rolling announcements. We want to make our announcements uh, simple, beautiful, so that you see them, so that you know what you're doing. And if you have any questions whatsoever, they'll have less detail, but they'll have who to contact in order to get more information. If you turn your bulletin in and you see the panel here, right here. Um, you see the request of the United Methodist Women. This is a um, powerful, faithful organization in our church. They do a great deal for our church, our community, and they are electing officers. And if you um, are part of what they do and are interested, if you've come from another United Methodist Church and have yet to engage in that and it's interesting to you, um, please let anyone on staff know and we'll make sure uh, that you know that. Uh, so, if you'll please note the things that roll before the service, if you'll note the things in your bulletin, if you're not getting a church email, please let us know. We'll make sure you get one. The prayer list is different. I've said this all summer. I'll say it a couple more weeks. It's printed now. It's not in the bulletin. It's a good bit more detailed. The prayer is written by our director of spiritual life, um, and she writes the front and the back, and then we place prayer items in the middle you want to place prayer items in that list you can write it on a piece of paper you can raise your hand now and an usher will bring you one you can get one on the back table there's also one in the pew at 11 and every email that comes to you on Thursday has an opportunity to share a prayer with us on a number of different levels so if you'll please note that so that's um, believe all the things that we want to note the ice cream social you see on the panel uh, make sure you come and join us let's pray together Gracious and loving God, we thank you for drawing us to this space. For all the um, effort, the getting dressed, the getting together, the get in the car, to make it from the parking lot, to get in this space. Help us, Lord, to drop all of that. Calm our hearts and minds. Prepare us to hear your word today. A word of humility a word of hopeful expectation, a word from a deep spiritual leader to a congregation trying to define who they will be. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray. Our Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
let's talk about your opening image today. The dust. And normally dust is annoying to us. You just got a clean car and dust gets all over it. We are out in a field and dust gets in our eye. Whatever it is, that dust usually is not something that's interesting to us. But in terms of scripture, I want you to look at a picture. The dust that is in this picture, the sunlight, the water, the hands, captures the best a human can capture it. The notion in Genesis 1, where it says scripture begins with earth being a formless void. Nothing. God taking that formless void, that dust, and making light, water, land, animals, humans out of that dust and giving humanity the incredible responsibility of the care for those things. You think about that on a daily basis. The significance of who you are, that you were created, and that you've been given an incredible responsibility to care for that creation in all forms. That you are a steward. The thing that we don't think about very often either, maybe less than the fact that we've been given that incredible responsibility, is that there's a certain time limit. There's an unknown span of time where we've been called to serve and we don't know when that span of time will end. Now, as a pastor, I am there at the beginning. I'm there to bless the beginning. I'm there along the journey with confirmation. I'm there as we pray for high school and college. I'm there as couples go through uh, premarital counseling. I'm there for weddings. I'm there for marriage counseling, sickness, and death. The entire thing. And sometimes the span of that entire thing is much shorter than anyone would ever imagine. And so that creation, that responsibility, and that time span is what we're going to talk about today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, what's he trying to push away there? This is a busy city, port city, lots of people coming into town. You've got people who expect excellence from their speakers. He said, that wasn't my thing. He says, I came to you with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is the way that I approached you. Now, there's a, a real thin line with that. If I, in the midst of every worship service that I led with you, both in this service and the 11 o'clock service, just went, I don't know where anything is. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. There'd be a time where you, as the participant, start to feel anxious for me. And if you feel anxious for me, then you can't hear the message for the day. 
That's why, as a leader, we've got to try to be as calm as possible. It's why in um, preseason football, when somebody does something that no one should ever do, ever, the head coach has to just, just look without a huge reaction to keep everybody calm. So what does that fear and trembling mean? It's different than my first experiences in worship as a pastor. I was 22. And I've described to you before my ignorance on all things of leading worship. Yet, being called to lead worship. And that morning, dry heaving. That morning, driving on the road wondering, you know, I wonder if there were other things that I could do as a career. I wonder if I could be a good salesman. I wonder if I could travel, do all sorts of not knowing what I was going to say, where I was going to stand, what I was going to wear, what the response was going to be, where that was going to come from, and how it was going to happen. Public speaking just crushes people. They do not want to do it, and I get why. Remembering your notes that you've spent the week on, when you get down and they hear the notes in front of you, and they're there, and they're the same thing you've read all week, but you don't, I can't see them. I can't explain to you how that feels unless you've been there and you've done it and you're looking right at it and you cannot see it. Curveballs of what's going to happen in the service, of what's not going to work, of who's going to do something crazy, both predictable and unpredictable. He's not talking about any of that fear of trembling. He's talking about a deep respect for the moment. He says, when I talk about Jesus, when I talk to you about what God wants, I have a deep, deep respect for the moment. What would you say is the opposite of that sense? So when you see two people, either in person, arguing furiously with total confidence that they are right, or arguing furiously on social media with total confidence that they are right, or arguing as a split screen on a television with total confidence I am right and you are an idiot it's the opposite of that sentiment he says with great fear and trembling I write you to say anything at all about God and about the formation of church it's a decision to be the messenger rather than the message you know how hard that is it's especially hard if you get all those distractions out of the way and you start to have more people. You start to have more people and you start to think, man, I know what I'm doing here. Maybe we need to do more things. Maybe do more complicated things. Maybe it needs to all flow through me and the things that I do. Maybe I need to be cute. Maybe I need to say the cute thing. Maybe I need to be the difference between someone hearing it and someone not hearing it. It's the opposite of that. It's choosing to be the message rather than the messenger rather than the message. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and a God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not crucified the Lord of glory. Now, y'all familiar with a reply all email? Somebody write something. Somebody write something back. And sometimes that third one 
has got something in it that should never be typed, should never be sent, should never be read by anyone involved. If you back up one, one more. If I wrote a group of people in this church with a notion, an idea, a concept, and someone else wrote back, well, you know, I don't know if we should do that. And I wrote back, well, you know, I send this message to people who have a certain maturity, you know, a certain wisdom that can comprehend it and live it. What do you think the response would be from the people who are reading that email? Well, some who would agree with what I was doing would go, ooh. <laughs> some who may agree but don't agree with that process would go, I think you should have done that. And some who would not agree with either the concept nor the email would talk to their friends, form a response, hit reply all right back. I'll bring it right back, reply all. He says, we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature. If you're up for it, if you're ready for it, that is a... Um, it's a harsh phrase. But he's trying to give them the reality. Now if we go forward to um, your next phrase is message of wisdom. That message of wisdom is a humility. It's a humility from failure, pain, and new insights. You think about when pain has educated you. There's physical pain that educates you in a real hurry as to where a table is in a room if the lighting is not great. There's emotional pain if you extend yourself too far, you did something that you uh, uh, wouldn't normally have done, but you felt a certain way about a person, you put yourself out there and they do not respond and you learn an emotional lesson. And then there's the pain of like, this is my career. I know everything I need to know. I'm going to put myself out there and do something bold and it does not work. There's some serious pain and it teaches you a serious lesson. This man who's writing this letter was persecuting Christians in the name of God. He knew in his heart his job as God's instrument was to persecute and kill Christians because they were the opposite of anything that God would ever want. And he was a five-star at doing it. On the midst of going somewhere in order to do that, he's knocked off his horse, and Jesus says to him, what are you doing? Those are my people. Those are God's people. Those are our people. And you're going to fix it today. And that, he had scales on his eyes for three days. He's led to a place he doesn't know without vision, and the only person that can heal him is a Christian who's called to go and visit him. That Christian who's been persecuted by him, his people have been persecuted by him, lays his hands on Paul's eyes and heals him. That time to reflect with scales on his eyes, having been led, listening to what God said, healed and forgiven by a Christian, gives him a certain level of humility. So he says to these people, if you've been wrecked before, if you've been wrecked personally, emotionally, professionally, 
if you've been wrecked in your walk with God because you thought you knew but you got smacked and you're now going a different direction then you're ready to hear this if you think that you know all there is to know you're 100% certain and you can speak on God's behalf without any question or wonder you're not ready to hear it I'll have it when you're ready he says Verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So when we think of, um, uh, let's, let's go to your next phrase, what uh, no human mind has conceived. When you hear people describe what heaven is, consider some of the phrases that you hear. What do you hear about who's there? What do you hear about the way it looks? What do you hear about the way it feels? What do you hear about who is able to go? Everything that you've ever heard or thought is a human perception. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying it's a human doing their absolute best to imagine what it would be. Now, what does Paul say to these people who are building a Christian church about that thing? He says, what no human mind has conceived. You cannot fathom the beauty and breadth of what it is. And so what we do is we consider a particular thing that we want. If I said to you, you can have anything you want there, a thing would come to mind to you. If I said you can see anyone you want there, a particular person would come to mind to you. If I said you can decide who's going there and who's not going there, people would come to mind to you on both sides of there and not. But he says... The beauty of it, the breadth of it, and who's included is beyond anything you could ever conceive. But see, we figure we know what the most beautiful thing would be. We figure we might can control the most beautiful thing that could ever be. Let me show you a picture. Oh, buddy. That child is done. Brokenhearted. Losing their mind. Going limp because we're at the playground and we've been asked to leave. So I, the child, who know that this playground is the greatest thing that could ever be and that there's no reason whatsoever to ever leave this playground and going to lose my mind and go limp and go to the ground. This child, in its limited understanding of the world and anything else, figures, I know what we need to be doing and we need to be here at this playground. That's real. You go, well, you know, <laughs> buddy, it's a rat child. It's wrecked. Let's look at the next one. That is Peter confronting Jesus. Jesus says, this has been great. Sea of Galilee, beautiful. Healing these people, fun. Feeding these people, fun. Drawing new members, fun. This has been great. We've got to go to Jerusalem. Because it's only in Jerusalem that we can confront the true thing that we have to confront. The true evil that is impeding people from hearing about God. 
Peter says, Mm-mm. Go back one. Peter. Right there. He says, I want to leave here. I don't want to go anywhere. Don't want to do anything. I want to be right here in the playground. Why? Because humans have a limited scope, a limited understanding, a limited ability of knowing what's coming and what they are to do. Go one more. If your joy is rooted in your outcomes, your outcomes, based on your preconceived notions, based on your perceptions, your limited understanding, you will continually confront Jesus and God and force them, you think, to do the thing that you want to do when you want to do it. You'll be continually chasing and deeply unhappy because you'll never get it. You'll never satisfy the deeply unhappy thing inside of you that wants what it wants. The only way is to ask yourself our last question. Can we humbly wait for what God prepares? Can we leave it in the hands of the one who created us out of dust? If we find ourselves surrounded by doubters, if we experience the sickness of a loved one, the death of a loved one, if we sit at a table with a select group of people who are impeding us or angering us or frustrating us, we start to get that sense inside of us that wells up that we want what we want when we want it. Paul writes this church and he says the only way that you can form a church, the only way that you can do something significant, the only way that you'll be following the will of God is to let go of that stuff the best you can for as long as you can because you can't fight it forever. It wells up. But to know that you are in this together with other people fighting that human tendency. Now as we come forward for communion, we admit things individually and corporately and I want you to have that picture of that child on that playground in your head as we read them and as we forgive one another I want you to consider the other people in your life that have been that child losing their mind on the playground see if you are unwilling to admit it yourself you have a trouble you have a problem if you have if you are unwilling to accept the forgiveness that we offer one another in the liturgy you have a problem. If you're unwilling to offer that forgiveness to other people, you have a problem. Every one of those is a kink in the hose. So consider them all as we read that text. Consider it all as you come forward to the table. Consider it as you place your hands across one another and you come with open hands and you say, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to participate. I'm willing to serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join us in our um, modern affirmation. This is the way we affirm our faith in this worship service. You're welcome to participate, and you're welcome to simply listen. We believe in God the Father, 
infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. Those words you read are words of maturity, words of sacrifice, words of stepping aside, words of um, fear and trembling when we speak of our God. If you'll please join me in the liturgy on the screen as we begin Holy Communion. It's a um, words that we say to one another about our struggle in this human life. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another, if you'll join me. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. That joyful obedience is not there if we feel the weight, if we feel the guilt, if we pitch a fit. We feel even worse. We pitch another fit. We feel even worse. We've acknowledged it. We understand it. We've all said it. We all believe it. We've all, as a group and as individuals, we've struggled. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Amen. We've said to one another, you are forgiven. You believe it? Do you live it? Do you practice it? Do you believe that we as a group and as individuals are forgiven and can participate in this table that we're welcome so that we can go and share it with others. It's now time for our offering. You can give as the um, plate goes by. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest today, we uh, don't expect you to give. And you can rely on the generosity of our people. Saved, fine. 
this table when it was truly happening maybe they felt confusion maybe they felt fear maybe they felt anger pain you know Peter confronted him and he said I don't want to do that I don't want to go to Jerusalem you think there's any chance sitting at this table as Jesus served him Peter was thinking I told you took that sacrifice it took this meal it took what Jesus did for him to see it understand it and live it 
And the wonderful thing is that God, that Jesus, that these leaders, that these letters are willing to be patient with us until the day that we can see it and live it. On that night, Jesus took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the dinner, he took the cup, gave thanks to God. He said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, a new promise, a new purpose poured out for you and for many. Many who are going to hear this message from you long beyond this day. These elements have been placed in our hands now to remember, to confide in one another, to make promises, and to go forth from this worship space. Will those who are helping me uh, serve come forward, please? In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward are welcome to do so. We serve by intinction, which means um, one of us will give you a piece of bread as you come forward, and you dip the bread into the cup, and then eat it on your way back. If you'll um, remain silent for a time of reflection after you return, we come this way, and you return that way. Um, bleacher folks and table folks and rocking chair folks um, come first, and then I'll have y'all come. Um, Let's um, have you over here and y'all here. We've got a little bit of a basketball team uh, serving communion this morning. <laughs> um, if you need gluten-free elements, we have them here. You just come and take them off the table um, before you come through the line. Uh, so if those who are on the bleachers and in the back, if you'll come forward first.
God, we thank you for your table, for the opportunity to confess, forgive, gather around the table, and go forth. Bless us as we leave this space, so we remember the lessons we learned, so that we may be your humble instruments of peace. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So I love that the band members are interchangeable in their leadership positions. But man, are they unique in who they are and what they do. And it's fun to have Caitlin back. Welcome back, Caitlin. Please stand and sing this last one with us.
forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.